And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth Peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Good evening. The story that was just read is very familiar to many of us, and yet, no matter what we celebrate during the season, it's understated, isn't it? I mean, how can we really welcome the significance of the birth of Christ? Now, if you remember, how many were here last Christmas Eve? Just want to see, okay? Remember I started with a quiz? <laughs> it's around the Bible story. And many of you didn't do very well. And it's interesting to me how many traditions get wrapped up into the biblical story that we make biblically significant, and they're not. They're not there. Now, having said that, I'm not going to give you the quiz again. Thank you. And I'm not going to give you a quiz on traditions, but I do want to talk about traditions and customs around Christmas. Of course, you know the word Christmas comes from the Mass of Christ. 
That's how it got its name. And there are churches on both sides of the equation, both Catholic and Protestant, who do midnight mass where they have communion and candle lighting. There's a tradition that one denomination has of fasting on Christmas Eve day in anticipation of the celebration of Christmas. Of course, we have things like holly and ivy and mistletoe, carol singing, Christmas cards. Do you know when they started? The first was around 1844. Poinsettias. We have lovely poinsettias up here. I don't know how to pronounce it, so I pronounce it both ways, just to cover myself. That comes from our Hispanic brothers and sisters. It started because that flower bloomed during the Christmas season, and so they brought it into the tradition. Of course, there's family traditions. There's the legend of Santa Claus. Goes way back to the first century, about year 232, when a man by the name of Nicholas was born. He was raised in a wealthy home. His parents died when a plague went through their area. And his uncle took him in and was raised by him. And he became very interested in religious things. Became a priest. And don't think of Catholic Church because the Catholic Church didn't exist at that point. But back in those days, they sold priests. And so he grew up, became a, a critical figure in the local church. And he was known for his secret gift giving to underprivileged children. That's where the legend of Santa Claus comes from. Now, through the years, his legend has grown to the point that there's many miracles attributed to him, both fictional and real. What about the Yule log? That fascinated me when I looked it up this past week. If you do it right, you always start with a partial log from the year before. And you burn it for 12 days. From Christmas to January 5th. And where the tradition came from was a celebration called Winter Solstice. It's an ancient midwinter festival. Solstice means Yule. That's where we get the word Yule long from. And Winter Solstice first started on the shortest day of the year. December 21st and 22nd. And their thinking was this. They celebrated when light began to overtake darkness and the days became longer. Why December 25th? Again, different traditions. You can talk about the Roman festival of Saturn, Saturnalia, winter solstice I talked about. You could talk about the Jewish festival of Hanukkah that starts on December 25th. You could talk about the Annunciation in the Catholic Church. It's March 25th. That was the day that it was thought that Mary was told that she's pregnant. So they moved Christmas, the birth of Christ, nine months out. Christmas on December 25th was first recorded by Emperor Constantine in the year 336 AD. Can you see why I didn't give you a quiz on this tonight? (laughs) A few years later, Pope Julius I made it official. Now, I've been doing this for a very long time, and I, I noticed among different traditions, there's always arguments about should Christians do this or should Christians not do this? Should they have Christmas trees? Should they have Christmas lights? All the incidentals. And what I find tragic in arguing over those kinds of things, we forget the why of Christmas. I mean, what's the key message? What's the good news that we heard read in the scripture? 
And the good news is that we are loved. Every one of us. There's a story that comes out of World War II about a Nazi prison camp. The people were not well fed. They were discouraged. They were downcast. And as the story goes, the Nazi guards would watch from outside the fence the prisoners every day getting up, dejected, heads down, barely walking. One morning, though, everything changed. They were still behind the fence. They were still not well fed. They were still in prison, but their heads were up. They were talking. There was a, a pep to their step. And the guards noticed that something was different. Here's what had happened. Unbeknownst to the guards, these prisoners some time ago smuggled in a small resistor transistor radio. And they would listen to the news every single night. And that morning, they heard that the Allied forces had landed, the Germans surrendered, and it'd be days when they would be liberated. That's the power of good news, isn't it? We sang, oh come let us adore him. Do we really understand how awesome and incredible this good news is? Do we really understand what it means for Christ, the child, to be born? Emmanuel, we sang that, God with us. He would what? Save people from their sins. I mean, think about this. You're out in the fields, what shows up? I mean, we have a great choir, don't we? Not to minimize this, but think about angels showing up in the sky singing away. I don't know what I would have done. I at least would have stayed to watch what would have happened afterwards. But think about an angelic chorus showing up and singing. This humble king who comes for us sinful, fallible, dying people. God in flesh coming from a perfect state in heaven down to an imperfect state in this world. I mean, think about God becoming a small baby. Think about his grace, love. Think about the possibilities of hope. Think about the opportunity that we have to walk out of our prisons that we have self-inflicted on ourselves and other people. Think about the birth and what it means to be liberated. The revelation of Jesus. The love of God being poured out into our lives by his spirit. And just don't think about it, but Move it to your heart. Move it into your lives. Now I realize there's some people here tonight that probably are saying something like this. Well, I get that. I get the story. But God probably wouldn't want to be with me. Too often we define ourselves by our pasts. Or we define ourselves by what other people say or what we think other people say about us. And so we sit in our prisons, doors wide open, and we don't walk through those doors to freedom. And if you're here tonight and that's your mentality, I hope you understand that the message of Christmas that you are loved, that is true for you, just like it's for me and just like it's for every single person here. Don't focus on your failings. Focus on Christ. Accept this gift from God. That's the message. 
Now, I began talking about traditions, and traditions are important. They are supposed to help us focus on the core message of the celebration. And when I studied traditions past several weeks, I realized that everyone's tradition is different. Why? Because we designed them to be meaningful to us. And so there are traditions that we want to keep. And there are traditions that we want to give away. But what I'd like to do tonight is to give you an idea of maybe some boundaries for traditions and then have you work the specifics out. Now, this is kind of more for 2017. I realize it's Christmas Eve. It's hard to make traditions now because it's almost here. But let me give you some boundaries to think about that as you move into the next year, maybe you'll consider these next Christmas. The first is no matter what tradition you have, let's keep the main thing the main thing. That's Christ. However you want to do that. Whatever you do and how you do it. But think about how much Christmas celebration and traditions distract us from Christ. Think about all the self-talk about what you have to do, where you have to go, what you have to buy. Think about all the other people talk. What you can and can't do. Today, it's like, well, we got to be careful not to say Merry Christmas to people because they might get offended and they don't feel safe. I have no idea why, but... But think about how the news and all the political talk distracts us. Think about social media and Facebook and Twitter and all those kinds of things. Think about how they distract us from Christmas. So what I'm saying is, you need to take something and shift it. Let me give you an example. Gifting, gift giving is a huge tradition around Christmas. Well, what about using an alternative to spending on stuff that many people re-gift and return? Amen? Amen. In 2015, 38% of all Christmas gifts were returned. It cost the consumer $15 billion. I know we always argue about where we're spending stuff, but think about 38% of waste because people get things they don't want, so they give them back. Instead of giving gifts that people will return, why not give a gift they can't return? Why don't you buy them an orphan? Why don't you buy a missions project? or necessities for another family, or medical expenses for some who are struggling due to high costs of an illness. But pick something, like gift giving, and then intentionally infuse Christ into that celebration. So I encourage you to keep the main thing the main thing. When you look at tradition, how can we use this to focus in on something that will bring glory to Christ? Number two boundary, spend less and give more. Rather than go in debt and credit cards, it is so easy during the celebration. And I can't tell you how much financial counseling pastors do in the month of January because people overspend. Um, I'm going to show my age here. There was a day that when Bev and I first got married, the credit card company wouldn't give us a credit card. Didn't make enough money. And while that sounds horrible to people, it actually was beneficial because we had to use something called cash. And if we didn't have it, we couldn't spend it. 
So, rather than whine about what you do not have, why don't you look around and see what you already possess and can give away? Why don't you start in your closet? I have a feeling that wasn't for you, but maybe for your wife. <laughs> we all have clothes that we have not used and worn for years, but they're there just because we might use them someday. Do you know there's a, a lot of thrift stores and a lot of places that, that give clothes and sell clothes at a very cheap price away. So there's something you don't have to spend money on, but you can give that stuff away. Think about stuff in the basement that's on shelves. That you just sit and look at saying, well, you know, some year I might use this. Give it to a charitable organization. Give it to somebody who needs it. What about an old car that you're trading in? And they're not going to give you much money for it. Maybe 1200 bucks, 1400 bucks. Why not give it away to an organization that gives cars to people who need those? Spend less, give more. Give more of time. Get involved. We here at GBC have a tradition called blessing bags that people give to people who are shut in. What about visiting people who have no family or inviting someone into your home that has no local family and they're alone at Christmas? What about reading to kids in a cancer wing of a hospital or Christmas caroling to shut-ins or go and visit someone that literally has no one to visit them? If you go to most retirement homes, they will have those on their list saying, who can I go see that no one ever gets a visit? So spend less, give more. Now the third boundary sounds like a contradiction, but let me explain it. The first is keep the main thing, the main thing. The second is spend less, give more. The third is spend more and give less. Now what I mean by this is spend an intentional extended time with Jesus. Stop trying to make every party Every gift exchange, stop trying to make everyone else happy at Christmas and spend more time with Jesus and less time with all the cultural add-ons. Think of it as that one tradition I talked about is fasting. More here, less there. Let me get specific. Let's talk about the good news. And let's spend time, less time in our news. Now, again, I'm not saying let's not isolate ourselves and not know what's happening around the world. We are responsible to know what is happening in our world and for an appropriate response. But the difficulty is often with our news, we have what I call informed delusions. And it's usually about hysterical self-centeredness. For instance, in Syria right now, We have one of the most horrific genocides in the last 75 years happening. In Haiti, two weeks ago, they uncovered a massive child slavery organization, putting kids into child prostitution. Well, that's the thing we should respond to. Not thinking about in our own culture about what we're not going to get free anymore. So spend more. In the good news, bathe yourselves with the truth of God, his son, his spirit. Let that get into our minds and our hearts so we can navigate this life with grace, love, and dignity. And we can bring the good news where there's really bad news. 
And there's power in good news, just like that prison camp. And if you didn't know it, we have the best good news that's ever existed in all of humanity. And it should be proclaimed in a world in which we are called to live. I'm going to call up the worship team because we're going to do some more singing. What I'm suggesting this evening is that we are called to live with a purpose. That you were born with purpose. Into a specific time period to be witnesses of the child Jesus Christ. So when you think about traditions, be intentional. Build a strategy around a set of core values. Our core value is Christ. Share this good news one person at a time. And if we all engage, we become the beautiful expression of Christ. We become lights in a dark, dark, dark world. The beautiful bride of Christ on display for the whole world to see. That's how we invite people to celebrate Christmas. Amen?